welcome to the Teacher Squad podcast. It is spring term 2024, episode five with me, Jane Constantine and Heather Wright. Oh, it's an exciting episode, Jane. I'm going to talk about dogs and donuts. And I'm just letting everybody know that our guest, Helen Rutter, has seen me with her own eyeballs wearing the best trainers ever. Not saying I'm a fashionista or anything, just putting it out there. Let's not talk about fashion. I'm going to talk about World Book Day. Potatoes, aubergines, jars and shoeboxes. Oh my goodness. And actually, I'm going to talk about gender and boys and girls and how they feel that they are treated in the classroom by their teachers. Let's get started. Yeah, it's going to be good. So, Jane, do you have a rhyme for me about gratitude this week? Is it thinging, zinging or glimmer of shimmer? What are we on? (laughs) Well, I've got a ray of sunshine and I've been looking for a sign uh, to cheer me up. And actually, (laughs) um, it's been a year four class. I mean, they're a bit tricky, um, but uh, they really... (laughs) They genuinely did cheer me up. And we were doing some work on spelling, which is a nightmare. Up and down and the country. And that cheered you up? Spelling cheered you up? Is it because no, they spelled something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, you know, when I see anything to do with spelling in my diary, my heart does sink a little bit. It's just like this is going to be... A long, arduous battle to turn this round around the country. Oh my goodness, so much to do, so little time. But yeah, it was um, it was a really wondrous lesson. Big up me. I, you know, I, I do worry about my self esteem sometimes. <laughs> um, but it was Sorry, about homophones. Homophones, nice. Good, <laughs> good. And um, yeah, the lesson came to an end, and it was just it it really it's just this thing, isn't it? And it happens. I think it happens at about year three, definitely before year three. You've got no chance, and then you know it depends on the children. But kids aren't very good at jokes, are they? And um, you know all of that wordplay and puns and nuance. Um, you know, and they don't get this sort of meta tech stuff that is at the heart of a matter of a joke and um, they might understand the knock knock shape but there's no real wordplay yeah. there um or what my kids did for years is they're like just serving facts as jokes like you know why did the dog throw up on the sofa and you're like <laughs> yes come on this could be the moment and they just go he was sick. And you're like, all right, <laughs> thank you. That's what they thank say, though, doesn't it? It was sick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, coming at you from 2017 and other <laughs> down with the kids jargon. <laughs> but this, this lesson ended. 
<laughs> and you know sometimes kids do that adorable thing which is just like really hurtful to the other teacher we love you miss can you be our teacher and it's uh, just like they're just being little yeah what pg rating little nightmares isn't they just trying to one the other teacher up and you go oh no it's just it's just a one-off i'm not here tomorrow and then at the end because it was about homophones this lad um came up to me at the end and went miss I'm gonna miss you <laughs> and I also I went oh I'm gonna miss you too uh I've changed his name Arlo all kids are called Arlo now so that's a safe bet if you teach <laughs> and um big up the Arlos around the UK uh but and it was like do you get it miss do you get it and I'm like oh, oh. I really I get it, miss, I'm going to miss you, like year four, getting the pun. And um, and when I said, yeah. oh, I'll miss you too, he was like, don't worry. And he, he sort of, at high speed, I'm talking from packing my laptop away to get into the door, he'd drawn <laughs> an Arlo for me, like a picture uh... of him and his smile and his curly hair. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, you're not going to miss me. You've got this. And this Arlo has been hanging in my car for four days. Ah. <laughs> and I just have really bad, like I have chucked so much crap in the bin of my own kids. <laughs> Honestly, seriously, I've been ruthless. <laughs> like, you got to really be. Parenting is, <laughs> it gets we used to call it. it? Shall we, shall we file it in the big red file? Because all the bins in the classrooms were red fire, were red bins. In the big red file, that one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and there's just a lot of potato printing, isn't there, <laughs> when they're younger. But this Arlo, like, I just, it sort of happened to be, kind of got to my handbag and then has come from my handbag as you're emptying out, like, sort your life out. And it's just on the passenger seat now, just looking at me. And I'm like... Oh, Gil, Arlo. I just ah. <laughs> don't know how long I can keep him for. But that is cute, isn't it? Kids are, it's really kids are adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've heard <laughs> many get of it? those terrible, <laughs> terrible jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Shall I tell you, you what? Are you happy for? over there? Are you grateful oh, for stuff? Listen, I'm always grateful, Jane. There's always gratitude seeping out of my paws. I mean, just today, this afternoon, I've been invited to a school to a reading cafe slash fluency session to have a bookstore. That was gorgeous, so beautiful and buzzy and nice. And kids just going, I don't know what to choose. I just love reading. I was like, oh, well oh, done to that wow. That was nice. That's good, that was nice. And yeah. bonus point, they made me a cup of tea. If a school welcomes you and offers you a drink, they're doing things right. But my Absolutely. chosen gratitude is somebody sent me an email, Jane. Woohoo! I was going to give up. I was going to go for anti-marketing about our emails. Like, just don't bother because we're not bothered. But actually, <laughs> we're really, really bothered. We're so really just, bothered. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so last week bothered. I talked about gratitude for Luna, my cock-adorable dog, and um, wanted to hear a bit about some school dogs. So I've yes. got some I've got some listener stories. Oh. So on this this one came from X. She reluctantly says, really wanting to say Twitter. Uh and, and <laughs> Vicky Fenton 
uh, tagged in one of their teachers, Mr. Tomlin, and said, tell them about our Brian, an amazing member of our team. And I'm like, oh, so they sent me some pictures of this beautiful dog and he's in the library, gorgeous. Um, so Mr. Tomlinson, who obviously is, you know, parent of this said dog said, he was a rescue found after being shot and starving in a field for a long time. But now obviously he's rescued by them and is in this school. The impact he has with our students is amazing and he gets them and they get him. Walks, talks, listening to reading and especially running around on the field with them at any opportunity. How gorgeous that. And then Simon. That's gorgeous. We love Brian. And then Simon Pollard, who is a head teacher down here in Cornwall, uh, his dog's also called Luna. And and I've I've been to this school quite a few times and witnessed lovely Luna uh, prowling around like she owns the joint. It's brilliant. But this is a little story from Simon. Our school dog Luna has gradually become so comfortable with her role that she now has free reign to move around the building. She's an expert at finding lost tennis balls, finding sunny spots to lie in and cheering up anyone who is feeling a little low. The problem with having a Labrador as a school dog is they're very hardwired to eat. Therefore, we have had to spend time teaching children and adults to keep food out of Luna's way. When there are cakes in the staff room, the door must be kept shut. Pat lunches need to be placed out of reach and snacks and sandwiches are not left carelessly unattended. Fortunately, Uh there are lapses in following these guidelines and Luna always on the lookout for an opportunity to pounce one incident stands out is during a visit from the school improvement team one of the visitors Uh-oh. carefully took out their tesco meal deal and placed it on the <laughs> coffee table went oh. to their bag to get out their water bottle and when they looked up Luna had helped herself to their sandwich including opening the packet and just Uh-oh. last week a teacher brought cakes and donuts on their birthday. Hold on. Everyone's very diligent about keeping Luna out of the staff room. However, the poor teacher had kept some reserve cakes under her desk to make sure her year group team on playground duty oh. didn't miss out. We all knew what had happened when someone shouted Luna when they saw her proudly walking down the corridor with a carrot cakes box her mouth. Uh-oh. <laughs> Why did the dog get sick on the sofa? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, of the donut that worked for her. It, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I feel it's funny, isn't it? But that poor teacher who thought she was saving them. What a gorgeous thing to do to save them for your co-teacher while they're out on playground duty. Ah, uh, yeah. It's I, love, I love a school yeah. dog story but uh yeah yeah that was nice so keep sending your emails in you you might have them read out but you know if you don't we're not bothered we're, we're not bothered are we jane no we're absolutely <laughs> not bothered <laughs> what we are grateful for though is our lovely guests today aren't we yeah i uh, i can't wait to chat again to helen rutter i know you've been chatting to helen uh helen is the novelist of five uh children's books and uh she's got a lot to uh talk about in terms of parenting school life and children in general we love her books can't wait to chat to her 
Oh, I can't believe you met her. Where did you meet her, Jane? Oh, the Edinburgh Fringe. It was just so weird uh, in the sense that we just sat down uh, at in an outdoor sort of um, cafe area of the Edinburgh Fringe. I've never been before and I absolutely loved it and I can't recommend it enough. There's so much to see and do. And um, just got chatting. And then um, halfway through the conversation, I was like, are you Helen Russell? <laughs> because she was talking about her job and some of the things she does. In fact, she was talking about her husband, who's, um, you know, who's an amazing comedian. And we actually went to see him on the back of her recommendation. You know, that was lovely, just recommending her husband. Went to see him and did a kind of a late night scrabble. In fact, all the comedians used to kind of flock there at the end of their set. And it was a really good spot to meet all these, you know, um, well-known comedians and the up-and-comings and it was just brilliant and she was brilliant and we chatted to her kids and yeah that's cool isn't it it's really cool you are just super cool jane i was just thinking that she, <laughs> whether she recognized you first are you the jane considine <laughs> well it was the other way around <laughs> Did that bring you right back down to earth jane we all need a bit of that yeah damn it damn it yeah no it was uh, great yeah, well, I'm excited that we've got Helen with us today because what her most recent middle grade novel, Reggie Hauser Has the Power, uh, was yeah. in our most recent Upper Key Stage 2 teacher subscription box. So it's going to be great to talk to her. So Helen's first novel, The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh, was shortlisted for the Costa Children's Book Award, the Blue Peter Children's Book Award and the Bramford Bowes Award. Uh, so yeah, she's a pretty pretty good writer. Oh, and also she ha is down on our events calendar. So we've got Helen doing a virtual author event for schools around the country. If uh, I'll put the link on in the show notes if people want to check that out. But yeah. less from us. And we've got region unit plan linked to one of her. You know, the boy who made everybody laugh. So you know, she's she's great. Uh, great writer. Um, really we'll personable. In the show notes, won't we? <laughs> There'll be so yeah, many links in the show notes, all about Helen, not us. <laughs> Shall we invite her in? Yeah, brilliant. So, Helen, last time I saw you, we were in the sunshine. I think I was having a G&T and you recommend... Well, I can't believe that we worked out who each other were and we'd, we'd followed each other and it was so cute and I met your kids and um, I think I actually fell in love with your husband. <laughs> well, my kids fell in love with you. My, my daughter still talks about you to this day and he remembers the trainers that you were wearing you had the coolest trainers on that she'd ever seen ever I think you did a dance routine with her that must have been <laughs> absolutely <laughs> dance routine. Oh. it was your yeah. birthday and you brought us all a drink you were like a hero you were like a highlight of the whole Edinburgh Fringe tours we were like oh, they were so cool they were the coolest people ever <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I really do have cool trainers. And one day I am going to break free from 
Heather, who doesn't really understand fashion as much as me or appreciate my 100 pairs of trainers in a range of different clothes. That's a bit mean, isn't it, Heather? I always pick on you because she was wrapped in a bloody blanket and doesn't know about the latest, you know, hype beast, (laughs) Nike plus whatever, collab, you know, whatever. (laughs) Well, my Uh, kids definitely appreciated your trainer game. Definitely. I'm just going to oh, recall no, your kids were brilliant. It was such a delight. One of the, it's such a random meeting because it was your birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. I, yeah. We were celebrating. It was such a gorgeous. Honestly, that's the great thing about Edinburgh, isn't it? When you can sit around on those in between shows and you get recommendations from people and you get such great chat and meet low. It's just, it's a really it's one of my best bits of the fringe is those kind of in between moments where you just chat to people and then. Obviously, you find out that you're in a very similar game. It was really mad, wasn't it? I yeah. think at the yeah. end, of, we'd been chatting or dancing or whatever for about an hour. And then we realised, oh, yeah, there's a connection. Yeah, yeah, it, it was joyous. It really was joyous. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, and, and it was. it's just, it's so weird, isn't it? I always think when um, you get to know uh, people you know, who are authors or teachers, and then you just see them as a mum as well. It's just such, it's like, we're all us, but it's another extension of our personalities. And I just find that just uh, adorable about life. Other than please don't watch me as a parent at the moment, I'm just doing hashtag fail on all counts anyway don't get me started about that I'm so bad at parenting at the moment I even caught myself talking about it to somebody in Costa who was like listen can you just leave me alone and collect your cappuccino and go away sometimes oh, it out don't you and it just has to come out wherever you are whether it's Costa or somewhere else uh, you'll talk yeah. to anyone anywhere, won't you, Jane? Anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on to Helen. Let's not talk about Jane because don't blow no, anyone let's not. up her arse. She really doesn't need that. <laughs> very cool, Jane. And I've got my own fashion sense. Thank you very much. Um, let's move on. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to talk a bit about your fabulous new book, Reggie Hauser Has the Power. But just to warm you up a bit, Helen, if you could... Use mind control on anybody, who would it be? What mm. would you do? Mm. Oh, um, I mean, obviously, as a parent, using mind control, I've got a 16 year old. So, using mind control on your 16 year old would come very handy, wouldn't it? Like, got it, like getting the things that they need to do done rather than the yeah. thousands and thousands of reminders and conflict uh that would be quite a useful thing uh so uh whereas my 12 year old's still quite eager to please she's I'm, I'm clinging on so I wouldn't need to use my control because she's still she's still you know what she still wants to be my friend uh, <laughs> oh that's yeah cute. keep that going I love that I'll leave it I'll leave it for later but a teenager yeah using mind control on a teenager would be pretty good um and uh, who else? I tried one of my mind control tricks today. I recorded a video and put it on Instagram, and I don't think it worked. I tried to get people to tell me if it worked, and literally only one person said, yeah, that really worked. I'm like, mm, I think that means that I can't really do mind control. I've tried to hypnotize my family for the past 18 months when I was writing this book and re- and 
you know, researching this book. And I tried to learn how to do hypnosis and mind control um, relatively seriously at first. And then as it went along and I realized that I was never going to hypnotize them <laughs> and they were getting more and more fed up with me every dinner time, I'd just be like, right, I've got it. This time, I have got it. I'm definitely going to do it. And they just be like, oh, mum, leave us alone. Um, and then, <laughs> so at one point, my did me. I was in my writing shed trying to write, and he texted me um, saying, hypnotism is rubbish. <laughs> wow. Two things there. You've got a writing shed. Oh, I'm in my writing shed. This is it. Um, Oh. Yeah, it was, it was a uh, rundown little shed with a lawnmower and, you know, a broken bike and some tools and spiders and things in it. And then when I got uh, my first book deal, my husband's a bit handy. He's, you know, you've seen him on stage and he's a bit of a clown, isn't he? You can't imagine that he'd actually be capable of anything <laughs> with how foolish he is. But, he, uh, you know, he got some electricity and slapped some wallpaper up and it's nice. Amazing. Did you hypnotise him often... to get him to do that? <laughs> yeah, no, I could hypnotise yeah. him. I'd, to be honest, I'd need to hypnotise him to do all sorts of other things. But no, it'll, to be, if you offer him the chance of using a power tool, he'll take it. And how often do you go in your writing shed, Helen? It depends which stage of writing I'm in. It, so at the moment, I'm just finishing a first draft um, of the next book, the next next book. And so when I'm first drafting, I'll come in most mornings and I try and get a chapter done a day um, just to get it all out quite quickly. And then so I'll be in here every every morning, at least for a few hours, and then I'll have a bit of a break and then um when the first edit comes back, then I'll spend quite a bit of time in here as well. Um, but then there's gaps. There's big gaps where I don't come in. And then when I go back to when I go back to doing the first draft, I'll come back in the shed and it's like, oh, I forgot. It's such a nice, it's such a gorgeous, it's nice having somewhere outside of the house. It's nice that separation when you walk out and go somewhere else makes quite a big difference. And it's so cozy and I, I just love it in here. And I can get it warm. I can't really get the house warm um, without, you know, being tutted at and putting the heating on or whatever. But in here, I'm allowed my little my little plug-in heater. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And it, it's so hard, I'm sure, just to write in kind of a family home full of distractions. Uh, and, I, you know, you've got to whip it, I hear. I mean, they, they can be quite, you know, demanding, can't they? Probably you know, a lot of energy. And I suppose you just need to take yourself away and, uh, you know, get into the world of writing. Yeah, although the Whippet usually is in here whining at me. That's his chair in the background. The Whippet, oh, the Whippet just follows me everywhere. Um, so he's normally here. But actually, as long as he's had a walk, he just sleeps. Generally, he's all right. So, uh, yeah, no, it is. It's good to get. It's good to get away just because that thing of sometimes I can write when I'm in the house, but just knowing that there's washing or the day or there's just stuff everywhere and you know that you're the only one that's going to deal with it and so it it's it's like I can walk away from a dirty house and be in here and and then I can forget all about it but it's hard to forget when you're in it so uh, yeah it's yeah. very nice having my own space God, that's great 
Helen, um, I want to just jump back to your first book, The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh, which um, kind of touched me. My my dad has a stammer, so I know you you wrote this book from your own experience. Um, it's your son, isn't it, who who has a, a stammer, um, and it, the the other characters that you've written about, like Reggie in this book, um, has ADHD. You seem to connect with those kids, those characters who've just got something that that they're working through. Um, has that has that been deliberate? Because for for me as a teacher, they're the kind of kids that they just have a twinkle in their eye for me, and I really want to support them and work with them and figure out what works are you are you particularly drawn to them and was the ADHD a deliberate choice in this how how's that one come about yeah I mean who I would not trust anybody if they weren't like if their heartstrings weren't pulled by you know an underdog or somebody with a somebody that you know has a little bit more of a struggle or all of those things they they're, they're what make us human, aren't they? Those those things that, oh yeah, that are difficult for us, and especially with kids, it's just so. Um, it's kind of it was so heartwarming seeing when my son seeing the way he dealt with his stammer was so inspiring. Like obviously, so inspiring. It inspired me to write a whole book. Like I never even considered writing a book, and he inspired it. So clearly, it was quite an amazing thing to witness and I think yeah um those kids are definitely the kids that you naturally I'm sure most people are naturally kind of interested by and drawn to and want to kind of you know just I hope my characters are yeah are those kids that you want to kind of look after and really really you know have big dreams and hopes for and and you know wish them all the best and I think that with Reggie um there is there was lots of conversation about it um, with my publisher beforehand. And I'd, because I'd taught some drama, I used to run a drama class. Um, and there was a kid in that class who definitely was partially an inspiration for Reggie. And as I was talking to um, Scholastic about a character with ADHD, um, they said, yeah, there's just not enough. There's no, there, they didn't they were like they're, they're crying out for characters with ADHD because it's obviously been hugely talked about recently hasn't it in the last couple of yeah. years and there just weren't enough books out there and I was like well do you think you know do you think I can I can do that because obviously there is a conversation to be had about lived experience and and obviously with the stammer with Billy Plimpton that was obviously I don't have a stammer but there was lived experience there that I'd kind of gone through it with him to a degree and then this one it was it was that thing of right well if hopefully if I am if I research it well enough and I'm sensitive enough and it is based on um some experience that I've had um with my teaching then hopefully I'll be able to write this character with enough empathy and enough um detail and and create a character that that people will love and that is hopefully needed and, and kids will will go and actually in the in the few school visits that I've done so far when I tell schools that Reggie has ADHD the noise that they make in the hall it's like oh, 
and you can hear them, I've got ADHD, and, and they really are kind of like lit up by the idea that there's a character like them. And so I guess that's the reason. Um, and yeah, I hope I've done it. Um, I hope I've done it in a in a truthful and empathetic way. Certainly have, and and to allow those children to get the readers to get under the skin of of, a, of someone who, who who might be in their class as well, and connect and have that empathy, and maybe just understand some of the what's behind their actions and what's behind their behaviour. I think definitely much needed, and you've done that really well. Yeah. Oh, bless you. And I think for <laughs> to, for pupils to feel seen, as you say, you know, um, to have characters like that so they can, you know, truly connect and, and understand their own experience through uh, living it through the the story. You know, it's um, it's so uh, well written, Helen. Uh, it's, it's really great. Um, and on that wider sense, across all your books, um, there is this kind of pervading theme, isn't there, of kind of belonging or, or not belonging and how to kind of find your groove or um, how to be understood or have acceptance within a, a peer group. Um, is, is that something that is kind of autobiographical? You know, is that, uh, is that something you've, you know, that belonging at school, is that something you've personally experienced or is it, again, just through the eyes of, you know, having children, you want them just to have those kind of that sense of belonging when it comes to kind of school life? Yeah, I think ev I can't imagine that anybody, I don't know, maybe there are people that go through school feeling like they belong. I can't imagine that though, because we we all feel like, I I don't know, I, I think we all feel like we are, um, different and that we are outside of things even when the outside would th see us as being part of a group or belonging to a certain you know group of people I think that we all feel alone don't we that it's, it's a really basic human thing to kind of go oh I'm on my own actually <laughs> regardless of, of who's surrounding me or what or what I may project to the world I'm actually on my own and that's um that continues <laughs> that continues <laughs> throughout your life isn't it but when you're a kid in school it's really heightened and in yeah I I think some of the stuff um for Reggie in terms of that he goes through a lot of he wants a, a group so badly that he's willing to kind of and it, and he, and come Combined with his impulsiveness, um, he goes along with stuff that, and I definitely, that is, I definitely was like that at school. I got into quite a lot of trouble because I would, you know, I would get, get in with the wrong crowd or I would go along with things or I would try and, you know, try, try and kind of get that hit. It was, it's like you want that kind of hit of excitement or something to bond you all together to make it feel, to make you feel something with other people. It's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? But I definitely did that um, quite a lot. So I, yeah, uh, my teachers would definitely attest that when I was. <laughs> did you steal Fredo? 
<laughs> steal a Freddo. I can't remember. I can't remember stealing a Freddo, but I won't go. In, I won't go into all my transgressions uh, with you today. But yeah, there's so so some of the things in the in the books that I write. Loads of the things are definitely autobiographical because that's where you have to start, isn't it? With writing, there's nowhere else to start. You've got to go from from what you know. I think yeah. it's so good for kids that they they do think, oh, they've got it sorted. They think they they've got a group, and they don't get into the head of the other children, do they? And think that actually they may be having some of the same thoughts. Um, yeah, I think you write with a great kind of raw honesty, with that wit and humour that just humanizes it woven through it's really great uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, chapter 12 and the trampoline and a little bit of honesty um, we said last time mum bounced on the trampoline she ended up peeing her pants we all found it hysterical but she didn't seem to find it so funny and has not ventured on for a bounce ever since so is that autobiographical <laughs> 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 um, do you, are you okay on the trampoline there is a trampoline outside this writing shed that I've not been on for many, many years, many years. And uh, my my children, um, my daughter, my daughter would say, come and bounce, come and bounce. And, uh, and my son would say, no, she can't. She wets herself. And I would just be like, it's all your fault. That's why I can't bounce because of you too. Uh, we're all mums here I think that bit when uh, mums are reading it out will really resonate but seriously <laughs> that writing style that you've got that is really kind of raw and, and real from the children's point of view and from the adult's point of view but with that beautiful humour woven through is that a deliberate choice is that just you is that just your your voice yeah that's not a choice I think whenever I've tried to write. I occasionally, I've tried to write for um, some adult stuff, and as soon as as soon as I do that, I start overthinking it. I start trying to make choices about you know voice and how to write and all of this. No, I cannot do it. It's just not in me. I don't think you know maybe one day, but but the the books that I write for this age group, it's in terms of voice, like structure. Um, Structure and plot, I've gone on a big learning curve with, and I've, you know, I've really, really learned a lot. But in terms of voice and in terms of that kind, what you're talking about, um, that just is me, Blech, onto a page, like literally. And that's the joyful bit of writing is that I can just let out all of the stuff, all of the the voice and all of the thoughts and everything, and let that out in quite an easy flowy way um and then the tricky bit is figuring out how to piece it all together and turn it into a you know and turn it into a story I think you can hear that authenticity I, I've listened again to the boy who made everyone laugh on audible before before speaking to you again and hearing it from your voice I would recommend that to listeners uh, as well as reading the books maybe share that with their class because it comes through um comes through in that sorry Jane yeah I it's um it's it's the voice part and I, I think it's so fascinating what you're saying there Helen about it being a safe space that you know knowing who your audience is that that just actually feels safer I mean uh we talk about sometimes children being cruel but I know what you mean about adults actually writing for on an adult level and 
and then kind of feeling very self-conscious about it. You know, it's so, you know, like Heather and I read your work and just like, you know, we would never sense that from you because your writing is so sharp. It's just, um, you know, but it's just perfect. It's perfect, isn't it, for, um, you know, we know that if we go into classrooms and read this, you know, you know, and you'll experience that yourself with author events, you know, that kids will be hanging off every word, you know, and um, enjoying it immensely. Um, Chapter 22, I just want to read this little moment here. And I I love the layout feature of these kind of bold bits of advice to kind of almost to yourself, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, the main character. Um, Do not listen in when people are talking about you, however tempting it may be, it never ends well. Remember the time you listened to the popular gang at primary and Sol Bridger called you a turd? Um, and for me, I think the thing that is so clever about this novel is this sort of insight into the main character, but also tangled all through it, you get um, insight into kind of the parenting world and the kind of we're watching, we're worrying, um, you know, um, and that sense that you get kind of those two things at the same time, you know, it's that, that wonderful bit of insight into them as a child, but also parents sort of watching listening in maybe from the other room um and that you know uh, that parenting thought you know they're not in a good place at the moment they're all over the place you know and it sort of links into something I've been thinking about ever such a lot you know I am worried about boys quite a lot at the moment you know I'm worried about everybody but I think um you know there is something about boys and finding their way in school and in life you know, they do um, tend to worry us quite a bit. And, and that comes through, but it comes through in such a gentle way. Do, do you want to say more about that? Well, actually, how hard parenting is, or is that just me projecting? <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh, yeah, I think, like, it's, it's interesting because I've ended up, like, landing on writing about boys without kind of, I, w- I don't know whether I would have, carried on doing that but my publisher said after Billy Plimpton they were like no we were really I said can I write about a girl this time and they said no we really want you to write a boy again because because of what you were saying really because you know that that kind of going into that internal space of like into a boy's head where they are trying to figure out so much and not necessarily able to articulate that or understand it at that age and um and you know and they so yeah they kind of said look you've got you've got boy readers there and it's important these characters are important and so so could you write another boy character and I was like okay yeah yeah sure and then yeah actually over these books now with Reggie as well I'm just like oh these boys I just yeah I really (laughs) want to kind of look after them all and and it I think I don't know whether I'm worried about boys. I I worry that so what they say write more boy characters because boys give up reading, which is true and very very sad. As my son has definitely given up reading. He used to be the biggest bookworm and now hasn't read a book for so long. It makes me really really sad. Um, so I worry them because 
in that way. And, and I think that there's like, you know, my son's really, he's emotionally intelligent and quite insightful, but I don't know whether he has the opportunity to talk in depth with his male friends at school. And that is, and has always been, hasn't it? The worry with boys is that actually they have all of these feelings and these emotions and they can often kind of see them for themselves, but then they don't get the places to kind of let this stuff out and see it for what it is. And that's, I guess, hopefully, if if they are still reading and reading characters like this, then there's something to go, oh, I feel like that too. Um, so, yeah, I think... You know, there's hope. Don't don't feel hopeless about boys. I think that they're gonna <laughs> they'll be all right. Hopefully, <laughs> they'll be all right. Yeah. Have you got Have you they'll got a new right. character on the way? Is there uh, Is there anything you can let us you know into, or is that all top secret? Yeah. Well, I don't know how top secret it is. I'm not very good at secrets, but um, it's really exciting. What I'm writing at the moment is is kind of blowing my mind a little bit. It's um. It, yeah, there is a new character and I can tell you, oh, I don't know whether I can, t- I can't tell you, I won't tell you everything in case it is meant to be a secret, but it's going to be, so it's same age range and it is, and it is another, another boy and he, and he's finding it really difficult to make decisions that this is him. And we, as the reader have to help him make the decisions. It's got Ooh. an interactive vibe and I am so all over it. Like I, I'm obsessed, but it is probably the hardest thing I've ever written by a long, long way. So it's, um, it's you know, it's going to, I mean, hopefully I'll get through it, but I might end up being, like I said to my editor, I mean, I might get my first draft when I'm in my 60s. So uh, <laughs> just be patient because it's a bit epic. So we haven't got a publication date yet. Well, it's meant to be this time next year, so we'll see. You better get a wriggle on, get get in that writing shed, get the heater on, get the whippet on the yeah. chair, get yourself sorted. <laughs> Gin and tonic will help you yeah. on. Yeah, you whip it into action with the whip it as the motivation. Yeah, I love this idea, though, where the reader chooses the character's pathway. Wow, that is great. I can't wait for that, Helen. It's going to be so good. Oh, Helen, it's been so nice to uh, to chat to you. I'm sure we could talk for hours and hours, uh, but we're going to have to say goodbye. Oh, yeah, I could. I literally could chat to you two for a very long time. I feel like in the future, we may have to get together and just talk just for fun and and, see, and yeah, have a good old gasp. But um, it was so nice to see you again, Jane. And, um, and yeah, yeah, and I'm doing some stuff, aren't I, Heather, with... Um, I'm doing some online, an online session as well. So it's so I it's uh, the end of this, but I will hopefully see you both again very soon. Yeah, you're February the 26th doing a big virtual schools event. So uh, we're going to share the link in the show notes. Um, but will there be some mind control in that, Helen? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I will brace myself. <laughs> If you make me talk <laughs> like a chicken, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely to talk to you, Helen. Thank Thanks, you. Helen. All right. Sentence of the week, Jane. What have you been thinking about? Well, I'm a bit worried about 
boys, Heather, and some of the stuff that we do in school that hardens stereotypes or puts different genders in pigeonholes. And you know, like I know, if you Google books for boys or you get a sea of blue or books for girls, you get a sea of pink with loads of glitter and loads of books about appearances and girls in, you know, know, loads of leotards. It's really weird. And um, sometimes I think that the language that we use is kind of feeding into this idea of, you know, Boys are troublesome, disruptive, or can be uninterested, but we can get quite compliant girls. And, um, you know, it's just that thing that I sometimes hear in staff rooms, you know, especially if I'm going in to teach and I get debriefed. And I just think we've just got to be a little bit careful. So they'll say things to me like, it's a boy heavy class, eye roll, or a knowing Ooh. look, or, Mm, there's some typical sort of lads in there and or you know or you know you know the boys could be a bit like you know what I mean and I just I just find it a little bit uncomfortable and um and and what I think is really sort of sad is that um and this is just quite an interesting study that my Hill and Jones um, took part in uh, where they actually asked children about kind of gender differences. And I've put a link to the research in the show notes and 67% of pupils um, actually said teachers treat boys more negatively than girls. Boys were unfavorably treated by teachers and um, disproportionately, boys were more slammed by teachers. And the, um, there was kind of an agreement by 67% of pupils that girls get away with poor behaviour because teachers don't expect them to be naughty. Teachers think girls are more sensitive, so are worried they'll cry if they're disciplined. This is what children were saying. Uh, teachers, especially male ones, are gentler with the girls. Uh, teachers are less likely to shout at the girls. Girls are treated more like adults because teachers think they're more mature and boys are told off more and punished uh, for similar behaviour that you might have from girls. And it's just like, well, that's rubbish. Um, uh, And rubbish if the kids feel like that. And then there's some other things. I don't know. I just also, I'm just, this is interrelated, but this, sometimes I still see, and I think in schools, sometimes a bit of sarcasm as well, you know, which I think is a bit unhelpful and confusing, you know, where you go, oh, I know you love maths. You know, it's your favourite subject, isn't it? Thank you for being excited coming into maths. And it's just like, it's sarky. And it's just like, well, it's not that funny and it's just it's basically saying you don't like maths so I don't know oh I don't know it's just it's about how important words are and just being that extra bit careful and um and actually it's really hard to be really funny as a teacher is it because we're a bit fed up it's just like what you want me to be funny as well and it's not it's actually not about entertainment is it like kids just want you to be just really clear and explicit and 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 
not confusing. And I think sarcasm feeds into that as well. Um, and whenever I genuinely try to tell a joke or something that I think is really funny, like actually I'm going back to my spelling lesson now about how to spell diarrhea. You know, I always think dire is, you all, we all know it's sort of D-I-A. And then because diarrhea is so hard to spell, any word that's hard to spell has got a double consonant in it. So it's got a double R next. So you learn that bit, D-I-A, double R, that's sorted. And it's the end bit. And then this little sort of ditty, haven't obviously eaten anything like you're sorted and it's just that's it I, I love you Heather because you're just a great friend because you laugh at my crap jokes and like the kids aren't even laughing but they can all spell diarrhea by the time I leave so yeah that's what I've been thinking about things that are a bit crap and crap actually there you go what have you been thinking about honey bunch uh, now that's really good, Jane. I think it's really important to just reflect, even on what there was a program, wasn't it? I can't remember. Um, and was it on the Isle of Man? And there was a teacher. Yeah. I think he's quite big on Twitter. But forgive me, I can't remember his name. And they they recorded in his classroom and looked at the practice and how diff, uh, boys and girls were treated, even down to kind of what we say, um, like love or you know mate yes um right and that was one of the findings wasn't it that boys were called mate and girls were called love yeah yeah and it's it's about expectation at the end of the day isn't it if we expect boys to have a low bar in terms of social uh, emotional intelligence then that that's the bar that they're going to rise to it's a good point and you're always talking about slowing down in terms of reading and writing actually in our our practice as teachers slowing down sometimes and just reflecting on how we're delivering things not just the what we're delivering is is important um yeah, yeah. i've yeah. been thinking about world book day um, oh well I've, you know i'm always thinking about books aren't i and um, but i've been noticing it's that time of year we're about a month away from world book day people are on Twitter X or Facebook groups and saying, what are you doing? Has anyone got an idea for this? We're going to do book in a box or book on a potato or, you know, whatever. Um, so I thought, let's, let's talk. You like. <laughs> book on an aubergine. <laughs> I'd like to see that one. <laughs> uh, let's thought, let's talk about any vegetables. Other vegetables are allowed, yeah. Are available, may not have an emoji. Um, first of all, I just wanted to clear up the one pound book token thing. So there's yeah. lots of people asking the question, uh, do you know anywhere where I can swap the book tokens and just get the books for my school? So what teachers need to understand, and I didn't understand this as when I was in the classroom, as a bookseller, let me just give you what I know now. Those, vow- those tokens have no monetary value. The bookseller doesn't get anything back for those okay so if you're asking a local bookshop to let you have those books they can do that at their discretion if they have paid for them themselves obviously they're at a really cheap rate because they're pound books but the 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 bookshop has purchased those themselves so the idea of the tokens 
originally is about getting children and families into bookshops. And as we know, children having their own books is, uh, you know, evidence-based that it will help them be be readers. So just be mindful, I think, is what I'm saying, is that when you're asking the bookshop, be clear what you're asking for. Then they're not exchanging those vouchers. Um, they, they have no monetary value. If you're building a connection with your local bookshop, make sure, you know, you're not just grabbing the books and running from them. Think about how you can bring the pupils to that bookshop to have the experience of, of a bookshop as well. Um, and then I thought, you know, I was going to share with you some potato, aubergine, no, kind of ideas for World Book Day. People are always saying, what are you doing? What are you dressing up? Well, there's always a debate, isn't there, about whether dressing up is oh, yeah. okay or not. Um, I thought, you know what, I, I'm not actually going to share any ideas what I want to what? do is just, sorry about that. Sorry about that. There's loads of ideas out there. I mean, yeah, write your own book, do a book swap, share them around, dress up in your pyjamas, what have you. What I want to do is just get under the skin of that, really, and provoke a bit of thought. Um, I'm going to share in the show notes. Uh, World Book Day have partnered um, with Open University Reading for Pleasure with uh, Professor Teresa Kremin and the team. And uh, I think it was last week, but there is a recording of it. Um, there's a lovely, it's about an hour, but it's a really lovely, informative um, webinar. And it's starting a series of of vlogs. I don't know why I have difficulty saying vlogs and not blogs. Um, <laughs> but the first one is all about overcoming barriers and just shared the six evidence-informed elements that informed World Book Day. Being read too regularly, having books at school and home, finding time to read, having trusted help to find a book, giving children a choice to read and making reading fun. And they also shared on the webinar um, a new document. Um, so it's been sponsored by the Mercer's company, but it's been done with the Open University and a, a collection of, of programmes. And there's a new reading and writing for pleasure, a framework for practice. And there's also a document that I'll show which on, on PICS. They've looked across the research that we have and they've looked at practice and, and, and made some suggestions. To me, the biggest things that are singing out are about children having choice and children having time in their reading and also this real honest reader role model us really being clear about what a reader looks like you know a, a reader sometimes changes their mind and doesn't finish the book all of those the readers writes so all I want to do is just just prod you really to say whatever you're doing for world book day you know I, I, I'm not averse to any of it, you know, if if it sings out that reading is a great thing, but actually just look underneath it and consider, am I actually just doing something because it's that day and we have to do something or we've always done that? Or am I actually reinforcing some of those research threads that we should have in our schools and are we really thinking about the reader choice 
and time to read and it being um something that we we just do as a habit so the series of vlogs is on picking some of those those barriers they're all free to watch so in february you've got readers don't always want to read the same thing in march readers don't always see genuine role models april readers don't always feel confident sharing their thoughts about books and may readers don't always find it easy to concentrate and get distracted and then there's another live one to round it up in june and that they're a lovely mix of uh, research and and real practice that's happening in schools across the country. So I'll put all of the links to those. Um, I think sometimes we're scared about talking about the the negative bits and the icky bits of, you know, getting kids reading, aren't we? And just go, oh, it's lovely. And we just show them all the loveliness. So it's it, yeah. I really appreciated yeah. that. We'll share in the link. We've been, uh, we've both been a bit moody, haven't we, today with our uh, <laughs> summing it up in a sentence. <laughs> Not ranty, just just provoking, just provoking, Jane. Yeah. Um, link to that. I'm going to put in the show notes something called a guide to readers theatre, and there's actually nine steps to that, which is that sort of authentic sense of how we get. Uh, the time part right the slowing down part and how we can help with concentration and actually understanding readers theatre as nine steps you know what are they so yeah I think that's helpful as well thank you Heather yeah always yeah um yeah a a potato it's like booking a jar isn't it yeah all of that booking a jar booking a shoebox I've got a poem ready the once was a book in a shoebox I'd love that if my poem linked to it. So my wonder of words really is um, it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a sorry. I know you have lovely fashion, really. It's very unique, Heather. But really, it's not about the fashion. It's about our friendship. And this poem is called Friendship. Just so you don't think I don't value you because I do. It goes like this. Friendship is precious. Keep it, protect it. You will need it. Don't throw it away. Don't break it. Don't neglect it. Keep it somewhere in your heart. If you want to, somewhere in your thoughts, if you want to, but keep it. For friendship has no borders, has has its boundary that actually is all of the world. It is colour. It is the colour of the rainbow. And it has the beauty of a dream. And never listen to those who say it doesn't exist anymore. It is here. It is yours. And when you want it, all you have to do is open your eyes. So, yeah. Who wrote that, Jane? That is uh, Veronique Tadjo. And it is in the works two. And you're not a teacher unless you've got works one. Ah. or two <laughs> brian moses <laughs> and pie corbett an absolute classic so yeah um thank nice. you for being my friend oh thanks jane you always need a friend who can pick on you and just you know laugh at your outfits <laughs> I, I like that i just want to pay a bit those people who are not watching who are just you know regular audio podcast listeners I don't want, I'd, I'd, I wonder what they think, email us, email us and tell us what, what you think that I am and wearing. wearing. Like I've got some kind of frumpy outfit on. It's yeah. a blanket. 
It's all right. It's, I'll it's still a blanket. It, I'm cool okay. with my blanket, but you know, listen, down in Cornwall, I fit in. I fit in, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> what you want? You need oh. to come down here and be all directly and slow. Anyway, anyway, I wanted to shout about two books in my wonder of words. Two picture books, gorgeous, gorgeous picture books that have featured in our recent early years um, subscription teacher box. And if we had time, I'd read both of them to all of the books. They're absolutely gorgeous. But I'm just going to shout out about this one, Snail in Space by the fabulous duo Rachel Bright and Nadia Shireen. Uh, gorgeous, rhyming, beautiful. But, you know, Jane, I love you too. And I thought that I would share with you a little bit oh. of I Love You More. And this is written... Um, by the gorgeous Claire Helen Welsh and illustrated by Kevin and Kristen Howdershell and it's published by Nosy Crow. Um, I'm not going to read it all, obviously. Um, it, it is um, a mother and daughter at, at bedtime and I'm just going to read a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end. Good night, sleep tight, my precious one, said Mom to little Ray. I know I love you more then I can find the words to say. And then it goes through lots of uh, comparisons. I love you like the penguins love to waddle in the snow, like seal pups love to snooze upon their sunlit icy flow. So then there's lots and lots of those beautiful uh, suggestions about the reading. It says, I think I love you more than it is possible to show, unless, said Mum, Let's count the stars, count each and every light, then count the sparkly planets shining brightly in the night. That's how much I love you, more than all the many stars, more than all the planets, more than Jupiter or Mars. That is a lot, said little Ray. You love me more than space, more than any sun or moon or anything or place. As much as any creature loves the sea, the land or shore. But there's one thing that you should know. I think I love you more. Oh, that's a great book. Love that. Oh, oh it's lovely. And you can, you know, imagine in the classroom, you know, the children being able to say, I love you like, I love you like, and get lots of kind of model description. Yeah. It's a beauty. Well, that's been a nice episode, hasn't it, Jane? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to have a little go to my car now and think what I'm going to do with that picture. But other than that, yeah, it's been great. <laughs> We're heading into uh -oh. half term, everybody. So hang in there till the end of the week. Hope you all have a fabulous February half term. And, you know, there's lots of love floating around for Valentine's Day. If you feel like Ooh. you need to send, you know, your admiration cards you can email them to jane at the teacher squad podcast.com because she's the fashionable attractive one if you've got any interesting stories uh you can send them to me at heather at the teacher squad podcast.com um, dot com i've learned it eventually it is dot com by the way everybody yeah <laughs> should we say goodbye and let me jane? tell you any email will be read just letting you know because we are inundated, but the one you might send will be read. Yes, I think it's time to go, <laughs> Heather. And there's been so much love, and it's big love. Have I done that oh. right?
I think we've forgotten how to do it. It's big love from Heather and heartburst from from her. Me, Jane. We've just got got complacent. We'll we'll scrub yeah. up and we'll be better at that next time. See you next week, everyone. We have a dress rehearsal. Yeah. See you. Bye. <laughs>